0: SRB Media.
1: you doing Al and welcome all to my life my music with the governor Alan Hudson and beautifully played in I have to say by Barbara Streisand with memories the way we were which pretty much nails what my life my music is all about isn't it Al?
2: Well for probably the greatest female singer ever lived I yeah. would imagine uh, yeah and it's a most beautiful song it's uh yeah, the way we were. It's a it's a, from a great film as well. Um yeah. You can't you can't knock it, can you? It's, now, it's...
1: I think as Brian Clough would say, I might not be the best manager, but I was in the top one. And I think Barbara Streisand could also say that if she wasn't the best female singer, she must have been in the top one. She was absolutely phenomenal. And done a wonderful um duo. Uh, and there's going to be a running thread through through all of these uh, my life my musics that we do. Last time out it was Chelsea and we dedicated it to uh, to Matthew Harding. Um, and this 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 episode it's going to be about partners and partnerships. So first and foremostly, who was your finest partner? Because you had a great partnership. Although when you went to Arsenal you was injured, but you and Liam Brady. When you look at partners in midfield of British football, you two must have been up there in that top one.
2: Well, the terrible thing in my life is that everything seemed to go wrong. And when I joined Arsenal, um, the first, I didn't want to leave Stoke, number one, but number two is, I thought, well, going to a great football club and I wanted to go there and play with Alan Ball. And uh, obviously I knew that Brady was a player, yeah. but I didn't realise how good he was until I got there. But I got two like sh- two things go wrong really. I, I was number one, I was injured. Number two, I found out that Alan Ball uh, they bought me to replace him instead of you know playing with him. So I and I, I think that midfield trio would have been the best. Brady was unbelievable. He was an incredible, incredible player.
1: But that midfield
2: trio, you're absolutely
1: right. It had everything, didn't it? It had right foot, left foot. It had balance. It had it, it. had all the ingredients for the perfect midfield trio, didn't it? It was incredible.
2: Well, I, I, I think they, they they mentioned that. Um, it was always said that when Alan Ball was at Everton, they had the greatest. Uh, they call them what they call him at Everton. They call them the Holy, Holy, Trinity, Holy so, Grau, yeah Holy Trinity. And uh, Colin Harvey, Howard Kendall. And Borley, but Borley was Bawley was the best. Yeah. Um. But that they were a fabulous three, and they, they were always known as the best midfield trio. But I really believe that us three would have been better if I'd have, if I'd have been not if I hadn't have been injured and that and had the form I had at Stoke and and with Brady coming through. Brady was an incredible player. I mean, never even you know, we never saw. Uh, left-sided players in Scotland, they had Jim Baxter. Uh, there wasn't many players with a left foot in this country. You know that Brady was just a, a total one-off. He was a freak. And uh, uh, you know, I, while I was struggling, it I the only good thing about it was I was watching him play. Yeah. You know, so, which was a, a shame for me, but it, it was a place to be on the field with him. And talking about a magnificent
1: trio, it leads us into our first song uh, of this podcast, Alone by the Bee Gees, a trio that you absolutely love and adore, and I think a perfect pick. What's the story behind this track, Al?
2: Well, I, I, I'm a great, as you know, boy. I'm a great Bee Gees fan, um, but as we we spoke about, and um, you know, it's, it's a known thing that most of their most of the music, and it's like a footballer talking about, you know, they say about they say about me about West Germany when you played against West Germany, but you played better games than that. You played against Liverpool, but that's a, that's a, the the game that people think of. But with the Bee Gees, they made all these top top records, million sellers, and and uh, as Elton John says in his book. Um, You know, most of the songs I made were far better than the ones that were very successful. And uh, Alone was an incredible song. Uh, And it reminds me of me. Yeah. Because I always ended up alone.
1: Was that by, by design or just circumstance, Al? What the song or me? No, you've been alone.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, because you do. That's that. That's what happens yeah. when you when. That's what happens when you're in a position where, you know, George George Best uh, was always alone. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens. You, you you end up. Uh, you know, it's like John Lennon with the Beatles. All right, he ended up with Yoko, but. He was he was alone. He was a man alone. And Sinatra sang the, the great album was called A Man Alone. Alone is a great song, and it's a it's a. I mean, you really have to listen to it yeah. to for it to to grasp it. You know, it's a most wonderful song. And out of all there, I'm, I'm a fantastic uh, big big Beatles fan. And I, I remember when we made uh, Blues of Color, they were coming out the recording studio and I walked past them, we walked past them, a few of the players and I was I missed an opportunity to pull them aside and you know but I I wonder what they were doing in the recording studio because we got number five and they never got anywhere so it's just that's how stupid life is you know
1: And it's all about, as you alluded to earlier, some of the more commercial hits wasn't their better and best material. It's what sits to the ears of the producers of radio stations and shows and what they perceive is is their best. And I'm sure that you could sit down with many an artist and they would all say that song that sold the most for us weren't our favourite song, not by a long stretch.
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, I think the most famous one of all was My Way with uh, with Frank. Uh, he hated it. Mm. He didn't like it. Paul, Paul Anker wrote it. Paul, Paul Anker mm. wrote it for him, and, but Paul Anker sang it. But I think Frank kind of looked at it as a – I don't know the, the way he looked at it, but he, he didn't like singing it. He didn't like the song. He, he's noted as saying that – don't like but he but when he went on stage if he didn't sing it people would scream out you know play my way and he but he didn't like the song and it's um it 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 just i mean that is a one outstanding one great example of you know songs that can you can get stuck with that really wouldn't your greatest song i'm sure he has many a song you know which the one that, like you and me, I, I think that's more Frank than anything, you know, it, it's it's more romantic. Frank was a romantic and uh, I think you and me is far better. I'd rather if I was gabbing them the morning, i put you and me on and not my way. I, I don't particularly like my way myself.
1: And leads us nicely into track two, which is you and me. We wanted it all. Absolutely,
2: that's where we went wrong. That's where my marriage went wrong. Uh, I think, and a lot of people's marriage goes wrong. It's it's a story. It's a wonderful song. It's a wonderful story that you know. um, Every you know, a couple want everything, and you end up with nothing. You know, there was a lot of love there, but you know, it it ain't going to work. You know, and and Frank, uh, I mean, the writing of Peter Allen is just phenomenal. You know, and I've I've seen I've got Peter Allen uh, who wrote it. You know, do it on. I've got him on video doing it, and it, he's just fantastic. You know, and it, it, there, there's a as we've spoke about a, a thousand million times, Paul. You know, there's a great, great, great story behind every song.
3: sunshine without rainy days. We wanted it always. You and me, we reached for the sky. The limit was high. I should have seen it in While we're in the ballpark of Peter Allen To those who,
1: who don't know Let's stay there and let's reminisce And let's talk about Peter Allen For the next five minutes Who was he? What was he? How great was Well, he? Peter
2: Allen, Peter Allen I'd never heard of until I heard Frank sing You and Me And I looked him up And... Uh, it was um, it was it's an incred- another incredible case of what what's more come to the front today. Years ago, it didn't really matter because everybody was like, it, I suppose, but he he was married to Liza Minnelli, yeah. and half uh, <clears throat> why they were married. It, it happened that he come out of the closet. It's like. Elton John got married, and you know, these it takes uh, an individual to uh, a little bit of time to to do that kind of thing. And but now it's just common knowledge, and you crack on with it. But B. Allen was he's an Australian. He, he was a, a wonderful songwriter. He he, he wrote that song, uh, the other song with Carol Baysaga. He he did this, and he he wrote three number ones with big, big people, you know. Mm -hmm. He was a fantastic artist. But in England, if you walked out and you walk into a pub or whatever, because that's all we do in pubs is have a quiz, isn't it? We question each other. Nobody ever heard of him. uh, uh, What a talent, you know.
1: Again, that's the beauty of... When I say working with you, we actually don't work because we just talk about football and and music and our, our common love of, of of different things and you know whether we do a show together, a podcast together, we we talk you know during the week as well. And you've introduced me to so many people that I've said, say it again now, what's the name? And then I've gone on Google and I've looked them up and I've gone, wow. And you you open so many doors. In essence, I guess a player that had so many doors closed during his career opened so many doors for other people in a different way.
2: Well, it's, um, you know, it doesn't mean because you know so much, or I mean, I don't know that much, but yeah. what I do know, what I do know, I, I lived uh, in the day when I came across these people. Yeah. And uh Chelsea at that time in the in the early seventies, you know, we were surra- I was surrounded by P I just took everything for granted that these people, everybody knew them and they they were big they were big names. They were from whatever world and I, I just kind of uh whether it was Peter Wingard, who was who was top man at the time on TV, whether it was Frank Allen, the Searchers, whether whoever, Dusty Springfield, whatever. You know you it was like an everyday thing, Paul, you know, and um yeah of of course you you do you you just as I say, you take it for granted, but as you get a little bit older you and you pick up a newspaper and say, "Well, David Beckham knows you know he's gone to Hollywood and he knows Tom Cruise, well that that doesn't rub off with me because if you've got money, yeah you can meet these people. But we had no money, and we we were still out, you know, rubbing shoulders with the great Jack Jones and and Bobby Moore was always around, and you know the only man to win the World Cup, and, and I, I was very privileged, and I'm very honoured, and and I never I never ever when people when I, I speak to people I I never I say well I've met these people and all that, and they half the time ninety nine percent of the time they don't believe me but that was just the way it was in in the 70s in Chelsea. Now, another person
1: that you met and you had a great friendship and I was looking on YouTube and there's a wonderful interview with with you and Tommy Wisby in uh, in a beer garden and uh, Frank McClintock was there that day although Frank had, had had gone to to another event. Talk to me about about Tommy and and what Tommy meant to you and how you connected with Tommy uh, in the first place.
2: Well, it's um Tommy Whisby, I, I can look up now. I'm sitting in my computer, and he's—I've got him on my wall. He's—he um, he's, was a wonderful man. Um, probably the whole world think that you know he's a train robber. He was a—he was a, a villain and all that. Tommy was one of the loveliest people you could ever meet. Uh, and I, when I'd come out of the hospital, um, a, a very good friend of mine. Uh, Terry Shepard put a, a dinner on for me at one of the big hotels in London and I was on the top table with my doctor David Goodyear and a gentleman come up and tapped me on the shoulder and he gave me an envelope and I said, what is this? And he, he went, it's from the gentleman over there and I, I said, no, 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 no. I said, uh, Terry's done the thing for me tonight. He's raising some money at me because I was in trouble and yeah. and, uh, and it was from Tommy and, and uh, I said, well, I'm going to have to go and see him and give it him back. And I went over to see him and I said, please, Tommy, I'm fine. And I didn't know he's a great train robber. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's amazing. And we become such great friends. And uh, and I remember I said to him one night, uh, you know, because he he got to meet my mother. My my father was gone by this time, and I said. Uh, Tom, I'm glad you never met my dad. So he, he went, well, why, why do you say that? I said because if you'd have met him, he'd have been on the robbery with you, and I wouldn't have become a footballer. While while he was away doing time with you, I, I would have no one, no one to get me forward. And he laughed, and I, I went, yeah, it's true. He would have, but, you know, because Tommy was such a lovely man, and my my father was always looking to get work and all that. They didn't do nothing wrong. They All right, they got on the train and it, takes, it was like going to Sainsbury's and taking money, really. They they worked out well, and uh, it's just a shame that Tommy got, you know, he got labelled with the wrong name, really. He, yeah. he was a, he was a most lovely man throughout. I'm 68 years of age, and he's as good as they come. And he met Frank, by the way, you know. Yes, um, that's a great story as well that you've yeah, got to tell. <laughs> yeah, he's um Tommy was on the, I, I wouldn't say was on the run as they call it, but he went to he went when he when he was doing this, that, and the other, and he went to Vegas. And Tommy liked a good life, and he he wasn't he it was far from flash or nothing like that. He, you know, he he was like everybody's dad, you know. And uh, he goes to Los Angeles and he's sitting in the bar this night, and a uh, uh, seedy old bar, and he's sitting there having a drink and he couldn't believe his luck. The curtains went open and two two big guys come in and, you know, they look round and who walks in but F- Sinatra. And uh, he couldn't believe his luck, you know. I mean, he, first thing he said to the, to the fellow behind the bar, please give them whatever they want you know and uh, he, and he put a little note with it and said uh, you know from the great chain robber yeah. and uh, frank sat there and they, they had a few drinks and tommy forgot it and he, he couldn't believe that he was in the same room as frank and uh, they got up to go they the the, the, they, the mind has done what they did again they checked outside they looked around and Says I can't believe it. While they were doing that. Frank walked across to him and uh, he said, "You're the great Shane Robert, yeah?" And Tommy said, "Yeah." He said, "I'm your biggest fan." And he went, no, "That's nice." He said, "It's great to meet the great Shane Robert." I mean, what a lovely moment! Can you? It's like meeting Beckham Bauer, like meeting you know Pele. It's it, it, what a what a wonderful moment. So he'd met his hero in the most incredible. Under the most incredible circumstances, fantastic. But Tommy deserved that yeah. because Tommy Tommy was a wonderful man,
1: and he was also a big fan of Charlie George. Was Was Tommy an Arsenal supporter? Because listening and watching that 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 um,
2: video that that you cut there,
1: where where was the pub? Where was the beer garden?
2: That was his local pub over in North London. Yeah, and. Uh, it was a, it was a day of his book. Um, his book launch,
1: wasn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I said, well, look, let's do a little. Uh, let's film this, and we filmed it. And he's very, very. He's a very shy man. Yeah. You know, and I just said to him, your greatest moment, and I said, surely it's got to be watching Liam Brady. Yeah. And and he said, no, he said meeting Frank. <laughs> uh, yeah so, uh, but he loved football, he loved football, he loved music he he was one of those that you know he was one of the old school that loved going out on a Sunday get dressed up like the old school did, and he loved pub singers and all that uh Frank was a man and uh and he just he just loved his football and he loved the arsenal he loved the arsenal,
1: now a wonderful artist. Uh, up next is um is Alki Brooks. Don't cry out loud. What what's what's behind the lyrics or that song? And did you ever get to meet Alky?
2: No, I did. One of my great regrets. Um, you know, I miss Dusty. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would love to meet. I I think she's the most wonderful artist. Uh, but. It just happened. I I, I was on. The, strangely enough, it, it's not much music at them times. But I've been away. From, I've been away from America for four years, and I come back and play for Stoke. And I, I was rooming with my good friend Peter Fox, who was a goalkeeper at Stoke. Yeah. And yeah, we were we were big pals, and and he had this uh, Elkie Brooks uh, thing. And I've always had my music with me, and he put this on and. You know, Pearl's a singer and everything else, but you know this this gal could sing, couldn't she? she? I mean, if she'd have been, if, she, if she'd have been around today, you know, there, there'd be no stopping. She's as good as she was as good as anyone. She had the most fabulous voice, and uh, and again, Peter Allen wrote that. You know, uh, which was it's uncanny, really, when you think that different from Sinatra to. Elkie Brooks to someone else's song we got there, you know, he's, he, he, you know, fantastic so- songwriters, you know, and put the music, but she was, she was a great artist.
4: Baby cried the day the circus came to town, cause she didn't want parade just passing by her. So she played it on a smile and took up with some clown and danced without the net upon the wild. The finest teacher That's me
1: That's the thing with songwriters. They they write songs, and I guess in in some situations they write certain songs with an artist in mind, and then sometimes they write a song and think, "Hmm, I tell you who'd sing that great, Alkie Brooks. I'll give that to Alkie. I'll phone her up and do you fancy singing one of my tunes?" And and as a as a then an artist, they they must be absolutely overwhelmed that somebody is is great as that. Looks at them and and it's a tremendous honor to almost bring that baby to life.
2: Well, absolutely, you know, and you you, you know, going back to the Elton John situation, uh, I'm a I'm a massive fan of his. Uh, I, I think he's just fantastic, and you know, he he says, uh, "Who knows?" He said that there was one particular song. They didn't want to record, and uh, it became a bestseller. And he he hated it, and he, he didn't think it was going to happen. But who knows? You know, it's like I always relate football, m- music, whatever, in any walk of life. You know, you you know, I've gone Chelsea. People think of me as a Chelsea player, but I I go to Stoke, and I become you know I'm more of a legend in Stoke than what I am in Chelsea because that's I've met the man. You know, it, it just, you just click. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what happened with Elkie uh, Brooks. This song, it just fell into a lap. And, it, it, you know, as I say, today it would be, that would go to number one straight away. It was the most beautiful song. And the lyrics are great, isn't it? I mean, don't
1: cry out loud. You, yeah. You know, and, and, and you, again, being the artist that, that you are, you love to go behind those lyrics and listen to that them lyrics. I mean, I'll phone you up, especially if I phone you up in the morning before you've got on your bike, and you've you've got so many beautiful love songs on there. And you know, for people that don't know Alan Hudson have opinions of you because they think they know you and they watched you play. But me knowing you like I do, you have got such a romantic streak through through you. Well, it just runs through your veins, romance, doesn't it?
2: Well, yeah, and, and I think I think at the end of the day, being a romantic is uh, wonderful. It's um, and I think that goes hand hand in glove with uh, being an entertainer as well. But, if uh, you know we've we've done this thing about Jack Grealish recently yeah. and how great he is, and you know it's the working man's ballet again, isn't it? Yeah. You know it's uh, you watch Jack Jack Greeleys play football in in to, like today, like we used to play, and it, you put music to it. and It's a working man's ballet. The way he moves, and you know it's. I remember it's when I was at Stoke and Shirley Bassey. They put a Shirley Bassey song to to me, you know, moving with a ball, and it was something about the way he he moves, you know. Well, that's Jack Grealish. That's, um, he gets a ball and he's poetry, you know, and you can't beat that, you know. So music and, it's all goes, it's all the same thing, romance. It's all love, isn't it? If you don't love it, you don't do it, you know. And uh, this is why we love this boy. And, and he, you know, if he'd have played in the same team as me at Stoke, you know, it would have been wow, you know, to, the fans would have gone crazy, you know, who they love most, you know. Would but you, you put, you got to put music to it, you know.
1: Would you say that Jack is the most, the closest player to you in in style of, of the modern day player out?
2: Um, I would think that a. He, he, He's a little bit, he's, he's more my kind of style as regards looks and the way he is he's built. But I would, I would say he's, he's the first thing, we, the, the closest thing we've seen to Gascoigne yeah. as the way he plays and he goes forward and all that. But as he, he's 24 now and in a couple of years, I think he will be a little bit more like me because he'll, he'll slow his game down. And uh, what he'll do is he'll 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 do it. The, the right things in his half of the field, and and you know you you, you don't reach a peak in this game till you're about 27, yeah. and he you know with the right who knows he could be playing for Real Madrid in a year's time. Who knows? He's that good. Um, you know but in the final third, give the ball to Jack, and you know he can go past people, and he just. He just breezes past him and that's why as we spoke the other day he gets fouled so much. That's the only way they can stop him.
1: And that goal that he recently scored at Old Trafford was of, of of sublime ability, wasn't it?
2: Well, some people can do some people do that once in a lifetime, but he's he's worthy of doing it. You know he doesn't really get in that them positions too too often. But I think he's just the last Really, since they've been in the Premier League, he he's just becoming of age now. Yeah. He's he's. I think he's been lost for a couple of years, and you know he's been. They give him the bad boy image, and he's done this off the field and all that. But I think it's again, as we've spoken before, Paul. It's all about having the right manager to take you down that road like that. This is why I'm a great, great fan of Ferguson. You know. Yeah. If he'd have played under Ferguson when he had the great team, he would have fitted in beautifully into that team. You know, you know. You imagine him going in training with Cantona and people like that, and even after with Teddy Sheringham. I mean, these were great players, and Jack is in that bracket. You know, he is, there's no saying where he could go, but he just needs the, the right guidance, the right manager, and I I think he's come across a manager now that that is leading in the right way. Yeah, I think Dean Smith, I always judge a manager when they've done a
1: couple of gigs. I mean, he was deemed the ginger Mourinho when he was at Walsall by the local press. He then went to uh, to West London and managed at at Brentford and, and done very well. And for me, the art of a manager is sometimes with smaller clubs, you have to sell your better players or what's perceived your better players. And then other players are brought in, either by you or... Sadly these days by a committee I don't know how that works But it seems to And Dean Smith Seems to then get those players And integrate them into a team And make that team even better Than the better players that he sold And that in itself is an art, isn't it?
2: Well, it's like um, Being a manager Is no different than being a player You know, you, you learn your trade yep. And uh and you know, some of these managers start at the bottom, and they they work their way up. It's like footballers, you know. The I remember, you know, if uh, Beckham, um, East Alex got rid of him to send him to Preston, to you know, and he said, look, you know, go and play with them, and then you realise what you're playing with here, kind of thing, you know. It's it's that. It's a it's a learning process, a learning curve. Uh, this fella's been where he's been. you you're not. Nobody walks into football and becomes uh, the best manager. I mean, you, you've got uh, people might argue and say, "Well, Mourinho did it, Porto," but he done it in a very different way. He's not a he's not a football man as such.
4: Yeah.
2: He's uh, he's successful. He might win another three Champions League, but that doesn't. How many players that, how many players has he really produced? I don't think he has. No. He, he, he might get good teams and he, he knows how to win, but winning is not always the right way to go. Uh, we won the World Cup in 66 under Ralph, and you know, it's the worst thing ever happened.
1: I think with Mourinho and players, managers like that, that that want particularly players, and I think you're absolutely spot on there, when they go into a team and manage they tend to get them good players, the top players on side. Like, for instance, what he did at Chelsea, didn't he? You know, he it was almost as though it was a father and son situation there and the players loved him and they played for him. When he went to Manchester United, he didn't seem to have the players on side and for a manager like Mourinho, if he doesn't have them star players on side... It, it ends in tears.
2: Yeah, he's he's a he's a complex character, no doubt about it. It's, um, the, the thing I don't like about how I I thought when he first came to England, I thought he was a breath of fresh air, and I, I remember I was I was at Stamford Bridge. Funny enough, he played his first game, and they beat Manchester United. And uh, I think Ferguson at that time, he realised that he was he he had competition. Mm. This fella, you know, he looked at his background, which they do, and uh, but there's one thing you never do in football is you never be trying to be bigger than the game, yeah, or bigger than the club, yeah. and that's what he's done, you know, all this special one and all this special. He come to Chelsea, come back, he said, Now I'm the happy one, and all this. You can't keep changing your mind. I, I love Chelsea, and now he loves Tottenham. And, you know, it's like you with a woman, you know, how many women are you going to say you're the, the love of my life? You know, you can't do it. it, it it's wrong. It's wrong. And uh, But uh, that's football fans are fickle and uh, everybody now says Jose Mourinho. But he'll move on. He'll, he'll, he'll do it again. Absolutely. And, and it is, as you say, it, it's
1: like a love affair and, and fo- football won't change life won't change it is all about love it's all about partnerships and, and partners and um the most beautiful girl in the world charlie Rich, it, it leads us into our next song who was the most beautiful girl in the world that you met and what is the story behind this song from charlie
2: well um I thought I'm I'm trying to work out who was actually. It was, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, uh, the the reason I stuck that in for because yep. it was a great it was a great time of my life and uh, I moved to Stoke. It was 1974, and uh, a good friend of mine had just turned 80 called Eric Skills at Stoke. He, he marked me at Chelsea in one of my first games, and we become very close friends at Stoke. And he he had a pub in Stoke and. I was living with Jeff Hurst at the time. Strangely enough, I just moved up to Stoke, and uh, I remember going into Elfie's pub on a Sunday, um, and I, this song was on the jukebox all the time, you know. And it just, and it just goes in your mind, doesn't it? Hey, and I was, and I was split up with my wife at the time, and she was. In my eyes, the most beautiful girl in the world, um, but it all went wrong. And we got back together, but at the end of the day, what a song! You know, it catches the imagination. It's um, it's a song that you know to sit down and write it, and 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 to have him sing it. It was, it was just it was it was wonderful. But that that's why it always sticks out. And people say to me, "What what to stole?" I remember the first. Few weeks I was there, uh, I used to go in this pub and it was we always used to put it on. And, uh, and if you play it, if they again if you brought it out today it's a it's a top top song, isn't it?
3: Hey Did you happen to see the most beautiful girl in the world? And if you did, was she crying, crying? Hey, if you happen to see the most beautiful girl that walked out on me, tell her I'm sorry. Tell her I need my baby. Oh, won't you tell her? That I love her I woke up this morning Realized what I had done I stood alone in the cold grey dawn And knew I'd lost my morning sun I lost my head and I said some things out comes the heartaches that the morning brings. I know I'm wrong, I couldn't see I let my world slip away from me So hey, did you happen to see The most beautiful girl in the world? And if you did, was she crying, crying? You happen to see the most beautiful girl that walked out on me. Tell her I'm sorry. Tell her I need my baby. Oh, won't you tell her that I love her? I,
1: I remember it as, as a kid because um, I remember me, me dad buying it for me mum. And and it is one of the most. I mean, another one that we've played in previous uh, My Life, My Music's is My Eyes Adored You again, Frankie Valli. Another absolutely most beautiful
2: absolutely love, love song,
1: and it takes an absolute artist.
2: Well, if you if, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna go home to the misses and exactly. you love your missus and yeah. you and you, you, you give her a tape of that, yeah. you give her that song, and you give her a bunch of flowers, and you say, play that and I mean, you're on a winner, isn't you?
1: Well, you are, because that's what my dad done. Mind you, at Christmas, my mum wanted a fur coat and he brought her a shopping <laughs> trolley.
0: <laughs>
1: and she wasn't very happy about that, yeah. let me tell you now. But it was all about that time and those glorious days of the 70s. Now, Jeff yeah. Hurst, what was it like moving in with Jeff and his missus?
2: Well, um, it was quite weird, really, because... Um, I- to be perfectly honest, mate, I didn't really know Jeff was at Stoke when I signed there, because yeah. it was I wasn't um, I wasn't aware about Stoke City. I didn't know what was going on there. Um, and then I, I moved there, and all of a sudden, I, I read my my boss told me that I was moving in with him, and I said, No, no, I want to. I'm going in the hotel. He said, you, If you think I'm going to let you run around Stoke on your own, and <laughs> and that's how it came about, you know. But, um, yeah, it was strange. I mean, a lot of people, I I suppose there are a lot of people that would think, God, it must have been great living. I mean, he's in awe of some, so many people in awe of him are are think, you know, he scored a hatchet in the World Cup. There I am living with him and, you know, I don't really want to be there. I want to be on my own. But um, there was one question I needed to ask him and that was, you know what went through your mind when you scored the third goal in in the in the final, and he he said to me, you know, this is how lucky you can be. Yeah. He said, I aim for the crowd. Yeah. You know, so um, I thought, well, I was right about you all the time. You know. I would so, say. I would say that was the second
1: most luckiest thing about Jeff Hurst. I'd say the most luckiest thing is that Jimmy Greaves got a knock against France and he had a couple of stitches in his uh, in his shin. <laughs> and because of that, Jeff got his, his shirt. But if Jimmy Greaves wouldn't have, if that hadn't have happened to Jimmy Greaves, I don't think anybody would have had a shirt off Jimmy Greaves because in the 60s, Jimmy Greaves was the greatest striker and the greatest striker that England have ever had.
2: Well uh, I, I, he was uh, I was very lucky at Chelsea that I wore his number eight shirt and I always told him that. Um I got on great with Jimmy, I love Jimmy and it's sad that he's not very well. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, you're right, you know, it, but it's all circumstances, isn't it? And you know, it's like yeah. me Yes. It's like me missing yeah. the the final in seventy and missing the World Cup. These things happen. Jeff got his chance. I mean uh, in all fairness, Jeff Ayres was a great player. I oh, played yeah. with him. I played when I played with him, Stoke. He was on his last legs, and he was still a terrific player to play with. You know, you could pick him out, and you know, uh, from anywhere. He was a, a tremendous player. So I can understand that. And but uh, I don't know. As you say, um, in in '66, you know. We we never we won the World Cup, but we never did it with style. If, if yeah. we'd have won the World Cup, like Argentina would win it. if they'd have won it without Maradona, it would have been any good, you know, because um, he was the greatest. Um, Holland without Christ, you know, was, you know you can win World Cups, but um, we won it. We we actually won it without our best player. There is a school of thought, and,
1: and certainly me dad is in that school, that he was never a lover of Roger Hunt. I mean, I remember growing up. He, I don't know what happened, but um, me dad didn't like Roger Hunt. And I think you could argue that Jimmy Greaves and Jeff Hurst would have been a better partnership than uh, Roger Hunt and Jeff Hurst.
2: Well, I, I don't, I, don't, I, I, I really, uh, Jimmy, it didn't matter with Jimmy who he yeah. played up with, you know, yeah. it's, um, but I don't, you know, uh, I spoke to a lot of scouts and I asked them about Roger Hunt and they, well, again, football supporters are fickle. Yeah. Um, I, I played in his testimony. I think Chelsea, we played up there in a testimony years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, you know, you can score all them mm-hmm. goals, you know. You, I mean, Gary Lineker scored all them goals, you know. Yeah. Uh, these these people score all them goals, but I'm not one of those people that really want to go and watch them play. I want to go and watch yeah. a glimpse of Jimmy Greaves. You know, you know. I mean, he was uh, he was God in Chelsea. He was God at Tottenham. Uh, he was just something so completely different. He he he. again? He was a working man's ballet. Yeah. Um, but people like Roger Hunt, with no disrespect, he was, you know, he. I think I've watched so many films of the World Cup, and I don't know how many times Roger touched the ball. Yeah. But he did a job for Alf. You yeah. know, they they do a job, and that's what that's what England did. They were they were a workman like team in 1966. Uh, but you know, when you watch. Four years later, Brazil win the cup. You know, you think, well, it's it's a little bit different. You know, well, you got to win it in style, and you got to have your best players in the team.
1: And I think if you look at England in 1970 as well, there's, you know, we've spoken about this before. There's, um, there is an argument that England were better in seventy than what they were in, in, in 66, although England ultimately got knocked out in, in 70 and won the World Cup in 66. And I know Jimmy Greaves. Well, I don't know Jimmy personally, but I've watched YouTube clips and I've, it's come out of Jimmy's mouth that Jimmy's, in his opinion, England's finest team was when Johnny Haynes was in there. And it was in
2: 1962. Well, I mean... Um the only difference is with people like johnny haynes you know they like myself he, he probably wouldn't have got picked in uh, around later on because he was uh very dominant he was he was a magnificent player yeah unbelievable but they didn't want players like that later on because he was to play used to go in i was a fulham supporter when he was uh the top man there and they don't want players like that they didn't england don't want players like that they I would rather have you know we've gone from you know in mid- we didn't have a midfield in nineteen sixty six uh, you know we had a i don't know we had novice styles and i don't know who we had in midfield because there wasn't no there wasn't no build up it yeah. was all it was all i don't know the the word for it actually uh and 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 then in i think you're right what you just said in nineteen seventy we were completely different. We had we were far better in 1970, and were very unfortunate to to get knocked out. And we were better. We were, you know, we we tuned up against the Germans. And you know what happened with? All uh, right, they uh, they did the thing with Bobby about the bracelet, which he didn't nick, and then they and they they dragged uh, Gordon Banks. Yeah. So they they would go to any limit to to stop us with, to retaining the trophy, because we were in Mexico, yep. you know. But that wouldn't have happened in London. If we'd have been in London, that wouldn't have happened. But uh, I think all round, we, we, were a bit, we were a better team in 70.
1: And going into that 1970 World Cup, Brazil actually didn't fancy themselves
2: well, they—I mean, they beat us one-nil, but we had a couple of great chances. We—I we, think that was—I think mainly uh, what a lot of people tend to forget in this country is that Bobby Moore won us a World Cup in '66, and he was his ma- most magnificent hour was against Brazilians in, in 1970 yeah. when Pele went over him he hugged him and. He said he's the greatest defender in the world. The, the man was, you know. He was a, the most fantastic international player. And his, his performance in them 90 minutes against Brazil was just incredible. It was just incredible. He was tackling. He was. Ta- I remember he made one tackle against Garzino and with the wrong foot. Yep, yeah. He was just, he knew. And he, he hadn't, he'd been in, under house arrest for two days or three days. He hadn't trained, he hadn't had a shave and uh, he hadn't done nothing. But he he knew that when he played against Brazil, he was playing against the, the best team in the world and he rose about it.
1: And that's what quality players do. It's about timing, reading the game and understanding. And you're right, Bobby Moore, arguably the greatest defender we've ever had. And that embrace with Pelé. Arguably the most iconic football picture of all time.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, two players with, you know, you see players. But it, it was just the ultimate respect, wasn't it? You yes. know, Bob, Bobby, Bobby knew he'd marked the. Uh, I mean, Bob. I mean, I I played against Pele that same year. That was my first season. But Chelsea, I played against Pele and. He was playing for Santos, uh, I was playing for Chelsea and we played uh, we played them in Kingston, Jamaica and uh, just to be on the same field with him was a bit eerie, you know. Uh, there's this fella, you know, coming to the end of his career um, and there he was in 90, you know, that year uh, winning the World Cup and it was, it was very, very apt. It had to be, you know, he had to win it that year. Because he he was the greatest he was the greatest forward in the world, without a doubt. You know, in a different way, George was, Johan Cruyff was, and and then later, Maradona come along. But for 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 that period when he played the game, he was just just something else, you know, and uh, deserves all the accolades he gets. And also
1: caught a shark from a hotel in America while he was playing for the cosmos
2: well that's the first hotel i went to when i went uh, when i in seattle it yeah. was uh and they said he was caught a shark out the window in, in one of the rooms i was on the puget sound the puget sound i mean they, they don't even get any tiddlers there let alone sharks. <laughs> but uh that that was uh that's the americans way of getting a bit of publicity and that, yeah. that's what they say. but yeah, I think he was playing for New York Cosmos at the time and um, and he would w- come to Seattle and play. But that was, I mean, I, I just wish that I'd have been there when he was in the hotel. And of uh, course, I had a few drinks of him, in, as I say, in Jamaica. But it, it was a, an absolute, I always say that the 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 bigger the star and the better they are, the, the nicer person they are. And he, he was fantastic the night I was with him.
1: Now talking about the bigger the star, and you know, one of the smallest stars that we had in the seventies was Dudley Moore, and um, Arthur's theme, Christopher Cross. What a track that you've got next for us.
2: Well, I'm a great, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great, great fan uh, of Christopher Cross. Yeah. I love Christopher Cross. His music is, uh, again, he, he, was one of those. He's, he was an artist uh, again, I. As I say, I, I read the Elton's book, and he talks about Long John Baldry, and uh, Chris Cross was a little bit not his music wasn't like that, but he was a he was a character like that. Uh, he didn't like to be he didn't like to go on stage. Uh, he was just a music man, you know, and and that's why he never became. But I've got his music, I've got his music, and it, it's it's his music, scary, beautiful. And uh, again, you know, Peter Allen wrote it and he sang it and and I love Arthur, of course. Yeah. You know, you know, we've been there's so many Arthur's about, aren't there? Yeah. You
1: and know, and right? that Arthur of Dudley Moore was he was just so
2: adorable, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. he? Oh, well he was a, I, I remember when he when he done ten. Mm. And uh, with with the uh, again the most she was the most beautiful girl in the world, wasn't she? Bo Delic, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, they had so many. They told it's it said that they had so many takes. He used to hold all the, the he held the film film up because every time he. He was with her. He used to whisper in her ear, you know. <laughs> but you would, <laughs> well, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you would, and he did. Yeah. Uh, but to yeah. have the opp- to have the opportunity to do that, and he only, he, I mean, I'm sitting in Chelsea now, and he just lived up the road from here, and uh, yeah, he, he was he was fantastic, wasn't he? You know, and but people don't they think of him as uh, Dudley Moore, you know? Pete and Dad and all that and everything else, but he was a superb pianist and everything else. Uh, again, today he would be, you know, something different. You know, I don't think people in them days got the credit what the what were they were really good at. You know, did a beautiful song? You know, but if you li- if you like the film, the song is unbelievable. And and as I say, Chris across. Wonderful.
1: with um dudley
2: moore no i i I, ha- I didn't no my actually a cousin of mine robbed his flat <laughs> <laughs> yeah he did yeah and he, he came he brought some stuff around that prefab one day he had some yeah yeah um it is quite funny <laughs> he, he came in with some jewelry one day he so said that's uh i think he was going out have a girl called susie kendall at the time yeah <laughs> yeah, she was an actress, and uh, but you know that was Dudley. You know he 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 was another one. He was probably I wouldn't say he was as good looking as George Best, but he was a fantastic yeah. character, wonderful character. And he, he he just as he did in Arthur, he would just made everybody laugh, didn't he? I mean, how how fabulous is that?
1: I think it's a tremendous gift and one of the greatest gifts to be able to make people laugh. Another yep. star and and character. In um, in London in in those days, although she was or, or he was born in Liverpool but moved to uh, to Chelsea, was April Ashley? Your paths did cross there, and she had a, a,
2: a restaurant, didn't she, in London? She had a she had a restaurant in Knightsbridge, and yeah. uh, it, it was quite weird because my my friend he, he was. Uh, he, he used to drive for a fellow called Ben Coleman. He was, a, you know, of the mustard family. Yeah. And uh, obviously, Ben Coleman used to go down to this restaurant. And my, my friend said to me, you know, he said, what a lovely restaurant. And he went, well, it's April Assis got out. I said, well, you mean The a- April it was the first sex change, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we went down this night and we sat there, we had dinner. and. Uh, one thing led to another. I found another friend of mine. Said you must come down and see this because I've never seen mm-hmm. nothing like it. A man, as a woman, uh, and she was absolutely stunning, yeah. beautiful. You know, and and we sat at the table and it was it was quite something. You know, and I'm only you know I'm only 21 years of age and yeah. I'm sitting with but you, you you wouldn't know you you really wouldn't know and it it was quite something you know um and my friend come down and you know we both kept looking at each other what did we do you know uh, obviously he went home and i i actually dropped her off or him off in a in a in a in a, in a black cab on the way home so but it was, it was something, you know, the, but that, that was a time, wasn't it, you know, uh, and never thought two ways about it, you know. We just got in a cabin, you know, I, I don't even know if I hugged her or him or whatever, but I, I just thought, wow, you know, what's going on? But if you didn't know Zay Asi, you, you know, you, you could have made a wrong move, you know. But a model as well, wasn't she? A very
1: attractive
2: lady. Beautiful, yeah, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he, what she looked like as a man, but Christ Almighty, as a woman, she, she was, she was a beautiful, beautiful, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. You, you actually had to be there to believe it, you know. Uh, but she's one of those that today she'd be in the paper every day. Yeah, yeah, hugging the headlines and doing this and that and the other, but she wasn't one of those people which I love you know she uh, took the back seat just lived life in her own way as I say I dropped her off in a cab and she lived on the corner of actually where I used to live in Elm Park Gardens in Chelsea and uh, just absolutely well I don't I don't know it's um it's a, it's a strange one because it's a little bit like my friend Frank Maloney you don't know what they go through after yeah. they what happens with this business you know
1: and we don't know what they go through before that transition do we
2: well absolutely mate yeah. it's mind-boggling it's mind-boggling and when you when you hear people going in hospital and you know have operations and all that you, you know it's uh yeah it's, it's something we'll never ever ever work out you know and uh as you know, I know that Frank's a good friend of mine, and I think he's starting to get some kind of regret, you know. Well, Al, we've come to the end
1: of, uh, of uh, part six of the, uh, the podcast My Life, My Music. We started with Barbara Streisand, and it was all about partnerships. So we're going to go out with Barbara Streisand and Barry Gibb. And, Guilty, what's your take on that song and have you got any words to uh to back up the the lyrics and the music behind one of your favorite songs
2: oh of course to my fantastic artists and i you know uh, to get them to I, I i always put it on and uh when barbara had the uh, in her back garden she had the party in her back garden it was a charity thing i think it was about five thousand pound a ticket or something it was banged out and she was singing and uh she started singing and nobody knew he was there and he walked out from behind and through the through the, the trees you know and he was dressed in white and she looked fantastic and you know that's probably me is it guilty <laughs>
1: yeah how that can be fantastic all that can be all of us we're all guilty (laughs) well we are aren't we yeah we are yeah none of us are none of us are innocent none of us are perfect so me on me lord (laughs) till next time Al those were the days my friend
2: yeah merry opportunity (laughs) (laughs) cheers pal cheers mate see you soon cheers Al thank you bye 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 -bye. (laughs)